Hi, friend, and welcome to the Brand Strategy Podcast, a show created to equip you with the inspiration, encouragement, and clarity you need to build the brand of your dreams. I'm your host, Bonnie Bakhtiari, brand designer, strategist, and founder of The Illum Retreat. From sustainable strategy to heartfelt encouragement, each episode is designed to equip you with the tools you need to chase after your dreams. Because you deserve a brand that empowers you to do what you love, connects with your dream clients, and offers a deep sense of fulfillment along the way. So grab a cup of coffee and join me on this journey, won't you? Friends, welcome back to the Brand Strategy Podcast, where today we are talking about the five biggest mistakes that business owners make when it comes to lead generation with the amazing Marion Wagner. If you have not come across Marion before, she is an income growth strategist for online service-based entrepreneurs. And over you know the years in her career, she's specialized in helping online entrepreneurs like you and me create six-figure game plans without needing a really massive following on social media. Uh, You might have come across her podcast, the Get Out of Your Head and Grow Your Online Business podcast. And she lives in Denver, Colorado with her husband, her two children, and her two high maintenance but equally important dogs. And (laughs) as the parent to two equally rambunctious but lovable dogs, I can really relate to that last part. (laughs) But Marion, thanks so much for joining me today. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks, Bonnie. I am so curious to hear a little bit more about, you know, kind of your journey and how you started focusing on income growth and how that was something that, you know, really allowed you to help the incredible people you work with. So if you're comfortable sharing, I'd love to hear a little bit more about who you are and what you do in this incredible business that you've built. Uh, thank you. Yes, I will. I'll give the cliff notes here. So <laughs> I started my first online business 14 years ago, which is just mind blowing. I'm definitely an OG, I feel like in the online space. But my first business was a blog. Um, and I started a style blog, which is hilarious because I have no business doing a style blog. <laughs> but I decided I was a school psychologist working full time and I needed a side project. And after I posted for four to five times back then, you had to post four to five times a week. And I just fell in love with it. And I thought, you know what, this is something that I could actually really do. And so I read everything I could and I, I studied people who were successful and I did all the things for over a year and a half. And I probably had about five people that followed my blog. <laughs> and <laughs> I remember thinking like, ah, oh, what, what am I doing wrong here? And I was driving home from work one day And I had what in the psychology field we call a lightning bolt moment, which is maybe if you're listening, you can think of a time in your life where you had this wave of clarity, like an ocean wave just crash over you and you realize, oh my gosh, I know exactly what I need to do. Or oftentimes it might be like a relationship where you're like, I'm going to leave this relationship. It's not long. It's no longer the right one. But I had that moment of clarity with my business and I realized I needed to burn the whole thing and just stop trying to emulate and take inspiration from others and actually look within and create the blog that that I would want to read and that represents me. So I changed everything completely and I developed my own strategies and I went from maybe, you know, four or five readers to over a quarter million page views a month and got PR representation and started working with brands like Wayfair, Maybelline, um, just 
huge names. And I took those same strategies and approach to my second online business, which I grew that one to over six figures within nine months, just following the same game plan. Then I started coaching others on how to do it. And I personally was fascinated with the income side because to me, income is what separates a hobby from a business and it provides so much freedom. And for me, I was a single mom um, with my with my business and it gave me the ability to be home with my son. And I feel like it's overcomplicated how to build an income online because it's profitable to overcomplicate things for some people. Um, but it's really, in my mind, a pretty straightforward process and anyone can build an income online, I believe. Mm, that's amazing. And I love hearing kind of that trajectory that you've been on over the last, you know, 14 years, which is incredible. I know how, I'm old. <laughs> I know that's amazing. I can kind of relate. I haven't been in business quite as long, but 12 years over here. So, you know, like having the experience of over a decade of seeing how the industry has changed, seeing how the online you know, marketing space has changed. And even the way that like we engage with blog content, it's really cool to see all the different changes. So anyway, hearing more about how you got started, I can see kind of the, the common threads woven between every business, starting with a blog, moving to your second business. Like, it's so interesting to me that you basically created this framework that you tested out for yourself, that you did over and over again and saw, hey, this actually works for me and this is creating the results that I want. And then it's kind of like you then saw, oh, I could just, to me, this is simple. I could just teach other people to do this. And that's where <laughs> you kind of are today, right? Yes. I, I think that it's a beautiful mix. It's almost like a recipe. The ingredients have to include psychology, in my opinion, when you're when you're trying to build a business from scratch online, you have to have this, this mindset, especially now with social media back 14 years ago, social media wasn't what it is today. Mm -hmm. And I think starting a business today, social media is both a blessing and a curse because it requires a lot of you, but it has so many opportunities for, for growth and, um, production, but so my approach really with clients is psychology and tactical strategies. Um, and together, when those two things exist together, it's, it's fire. It's awesome. Mm, I love that. Well, today, you know, we're talking specifically about lead generation and um, some approaches that online business owners and service-based businesses can be taking. And I'm curious to kind of hear, um, you know, when you were growing your own businesses over the years. And as you were focused on lead generation for your blog, mm -hmm. um, have you found that some of the things you're doing today and some of the things that you're teaching today are pretty uh, steadfast to some of the strategies you used way back when? Yes. Oh my gosh. I was actually just talking with a, a mentor of mine yesterday about this and how one of the strategies I used to grow my blog early on was I took even I was working full time and I had a lot of my plate, but my non-negotiable was to comment thoughtfully and meaningfully on 10 different blogs that were, that had the same audience that I wanted to um, connect with. Mm -hmm. And so every day, no matter what, 10 blogs. And I did that without fail for 
a long time and grew so many great relationships. Like some, I still have to this day with bloggers that now have like millions of followers, but back then we are all just kind of figuring it out. And today I think that same approach is a brilliant one that anyone can do. It's free. And as long as you're just adding meaningful content, not like the whole like cute, you know, nice post <laughs> emoji, but like being being human and being thoughtful and adding value. And that I think is still a great strategy that is relevant to this day. Hmm. I love that. So to clarify, is would you recommend, you know, engaging with blogs or social media accounts or maybe a mix of kind of all of the above? Oh yeah. I think now people don't really comment on blogs the same way. Blogs mm -hmm. are so different now. I would think for for Instagram example, it's so easy to say, I'm going to go comment on 10 Instagram accounts of people that I look up to that share the same related audience as me. And it's not about, it's not about trying to poach their audience. That's not what you're doing. You're actually adding value to their content and, and sharing love. That's it. You're just sharing inspiration, love, and positive energy and being human, like I said. Mm -hmm. That's so fantastic. Out of curiosity, knowing that this is an area where you're showing up every day and you're supporting your clients when it comes to their own lead gen strategies, are there any like mistakes or missteps or actions that you're seeing business owners and service providers making when it comes to lead gen that you're like, you know what, let's take a minute and let's kind of set the record straight here. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And I will say lead gen itself is just like a fancy term for, we're just talking about creating a connection with one or a handful or more of your ideal clients, like getting their eyeballs onto your business in front of your message. Right? So sometimes the idea of lead gen can feel, um, a little bit like overwhelming or intimidating. And I just want to encourage anyone listening right now, if you're like, I need to focus on lead gen, it's okay. It's totally doable. But yes, there are five, I, I call them like the five biggie mistakes that I see. And let me also say, I have made several of these mistakes myself. So should I just dive right in? Yeah, let's go for it. Okay. So the first one, um, I have made this mistake and that is you'll see on social media and different social platforms, people doing follow loops or giveaways. Mm -hmm. And back in the day, gosh, giveaways were big. And at the time I thought this is a really great idea because it's, you know, shared abundance and you're, you're sharing audiences, but what people found and why you don't see them as often as anymore, but you still, people still do them is that people are only interested in the prize, right? So they either unfollow within the next week, month, three months, or they become ghost followers, which is going to very much hurt you with the algorithm and just with your, your numbers. I so, find that so interesting because I'm over here like nodding along because I remember back in the day, you know, like seeing those loop giveaways, I'm pretty sure that I participated in a few on Instagram and yeah. you always would see you know, as soon as you get involved with that, you see your, that follower count go up, but then like a week after it ends, you start to see that number go right back down. And to be sure, you know, giveaways or, or, you know, like 
profile collaborations between, you know, like like-minded individuals have brought me over the years a handful of really fantastic, really engaged people who, you know, I feel like we we can connect online. But I, I completely hear where you're coming from of, you know, giveaways, those kinds of um quick wins aren't necessarily in alignment with an approach that will give you a long-term community of people who are there for you and your brand and the experience that you provide. Yeah. And I think there is, I should say this, there, when you do it very small, like maybe it's only two or three of you and you do something like this and you are very much aligned and you have the same audience and you add value in different ways that are related then that's a great way to do a giveaway, honestly. Mm -hmm. But it's when you see like, follow these 20 people and <laughs> comment below, that's that's when it gets very, you're just, you're basically adding a lot of, again, ghost followers and people that aren't going to get to know you and like you and trust you and they're not gonna care. So that's right. not good. Right, I get that. What other mistakes are you seeing people make? Okay, so the, second one is one i haven't done but this is we all have experienced it every day is the cold dm approach mm -hmm. for people who don't even follow you and this is one i still see people trying to go after that kind of that large kind of spray and pray approach where i'll just dm 100 people and if i get one person then that's worth it but the cold DM approach is not my favorite. That's a very high effort way to get a very low quality lead. Mm, absolutely. I am um, in, in my experience, and this is even something that I've um, shared with others in the past is if you are using DMs as a way to build connection with people, that that initial concept of building connection is the key. It's yes. not about DMing someone and being like, hey, you know, hire me or book a call with me or, you know, whatever. It's about like connecting and like engaging with each other on that common human level where we're talking about, you know, if like, for example, Marion, if like you and I were connecting in the DMs, I would absolutely be like, oh, I love your dogs. I have dogs too. Let's, you know, let's talk about that. Like it's, it's looking for something that is a shared interest or it's a common value. And then using that as kind of a jumping off point to get to know each other better. And if the conversation flows and if the connection feels aligned, then you can start to explore ways that you could mutually support one another or work together. But opening up as I'm someone who like, I get those cold DM messages so frequently, um, but they are never enticing me to actually connect with that person and get to know them because they, by just going straight for the hard sell in the DMs, they're already showing me that they don't care about me in that way. Yes. And I think having been in this space for 12 years, then you absolutely know this, that people in general have become much more skeptical in the online space. What worked seven, eight years ago does not work anymore. Um, people just, they're a little bit more guarded and you have to add more information, education, inspiration, entertainment to your brand qualities in order to, for people to, um, pay attention and to look, look at your message and say like, oh my gosh, 
I have this need and I really think that Bonnie can help me. I'm going to lean in more and have a conversation with her. Mm, absolutely. Which brings me to the, the third one, which yeah. I'm so glad this is going away. At least I hope it is, is the follow unfollow game, mm. um, which used to be a huge, I want to say, was it six years ago? <laughs> All the years run together. Six years ago where people just figured out lead, they just thought lead gen equals more numbers in my audience. And that no longer works. PR firms and companies now, if you're looking for um, strategic partnerships, they don't necessarily look at the number of your audience, the audience size. They look at your, your conversions, your, uh, how many people are actually following along, how many people are actually engaging with you mm -hmm. and caring. So the micro influencers with very small audiences, but those audiences that are engaged, that's more valuable than some of these audiences that are huge. And you think, oh my gosh, they have so many leads. And yet they don't because they either got them follow unfollow or they did those loops or they did other things that people just, they don't know how they got there. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love how in recent years we've started to see the rise of micro accounts because it is it, I think it it it's still a numbers game in the sense of yes, your engagement rates are still a part of the equation, but you don't need to be so fixated on like the magical 10k followers. You don't need to be so fixated on you know, like getting as many people following you as possible if you have quality content that is reaching your ideal client, it's it's so freeing to think about it as uh, you know, like opportunities for connection and you know, kind of relationship building versus just getting like thousands and thousands of strangers on the internet to follow you. Yes. And I think that's another thing that's in line with so i have a i have a book coming out in spring of this year that's called small audience big income and it's really about looking at your audience for quality versus quantity for size mm -hmm. and especially if you're newer in the online space and you're just working toward those first consistent 10 12 15k months you really don't need a humongous audience to reach those benchmarks and i think we overestimate the size of an audience that we need. Um, and so that's actually reassuring for a lot of my clients when they first come in, they think they need to be an influencer and have, yeah, like you said, 10 K followers or something big. And I'm just saying, no, that's something that you generate along the way, but it's not the goal. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Well, wondering kind of how, how to approach this in a way where you're um, kind of giving yourself the permission to break up with, you know, pursuing like becoming a big account. Is there kind of a, um, a piece of advice or encouragement that you like to share with your, um, with your own clients when it comes to like remembering that like small, having a small account, having a small following isn't necessarily a bad thing? Yeah, I think really we're entering into this but I, I wouldn't, I want to say it's a beautiful stage. It's a beautiful season where relationships matter more than anything. And instead of focusing on growing your follower account, which that's one metric that it does matter. I'm not saying having a large audience is a bad thing. It's a great thing, but not every audience is created equal. And you want to make sure that you're growing it with the right people. 
So always just focus on building relationships with your followers, but you can do that through vulnerability, through telling stories, through asking them questions, asking them, have they experienced this before? Asking their advice on things, which, what they, what they think about a certain topic. Um, and that's, I think really the direction that people are growing their audiences in a very organic feel good way right now. It's just, by being themselves and actually caring about the people who, you know, decide to join them. Mm -hmm. And what I think is really smart about that approach is, well, first of all, it's, it's genuine. So it's, it's easier to maintain because it feels it's real and it feels natural or more natural. Um, but I also think that that's an approach that you can utilize in social media, but also you could take a similar approach with your email marketing and infusing more storytelling and more personality and more of that, you know, kind of relational component into emails that you're sending to people on your list or, you know, conversations that you're having with people anywhere online. And, and that's just kind of a, an ethos essentially that we can embrace and it changes the way that we show up for the better, I think. Absolutely. I mean, as you were talking, I was thinking that's one of the biggest changes I made on in my blog that made the biggest difference back in the day is I started a Friday series on the blog called Moments of the Week, where I just shared my top two, three funny moments of being a school psychologist on the blog. And then they were always funny stories and people like most style bloggers weren't, they just, I, I just have like a quirky sense of humor and I was just saying, okay, I'm just going to be myself. And so I shared that and it just blew up. And I think that was so freeing because it was fun for me because I was being myself. It doesn't feel like work. And when you just kind of let go of expectations or you know, you probably see this with branding all the time, Bonnie, like people that they come to you with inspiration for a design, it made it, it may work for the person that they, they see like, oh, I love their branding. I love those colors. I love this logo and this, this vibe, but maybe it really doesn't fit them exactly. But they, sometimes we confuse emulation with success. And really it's just tapping into what, what we stand for and what, what, what what we are about, not what other, someone else is. Absolutely. And I definitely see that in, in branding. And I, I always encourage my clients or my potential clients, you know, there's so much more potential in crafting a brand that is, is honest to your brand and your brand values, even if that doesn't necessarily look like what you're seeing your competitors do. You know, there's a lot to be said for having a brand that stands out and it's so much more sustainable to be building a brand that stands out um, from a, a place where it's aligning with your unique values and your personality and that kind of persona that you want to share through your business versus trying to copy what someone else is doing because that may work really great for them, but if it doesn't feel honest and genuine and authentic, then it is going to be really tough to keep that up over the years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So well, I, I know we kind of went on a little tangent there. I think we were on mistake number four, maybe. Yes. <laughs> so number four is, and I'm sure no one listening has, has done this and is just, no one does this anymore. I hope buying followers. 
Oh, right. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, we don't, we don't want that for anybody. <laughs> oh, yeah. They'll never comment, never engage. It's no, I hope, I think that's pretty much going in the past. But number five is one that I see a lot and I have made this mistake absolutely is paying for ads when you don't have a proven offer. So Facebook, Instagram ads, like Google ads, those are, those are great opportunities, but it's an easy way to flush a lot of money. If you don't have a, an offer that's already selling like hotcakes, like people just, they want it. It's resonating with your ideal client. Um, what people think oftentimes is they create Facebook ads and then they create an offer that they think will work, but it's not, it's not proven. It's not tested and you don't want to pay to test it. <laughs> Ooh, no, that gets expensive so fast. <laughs> yes. Um, I completely agree with that. And, and, you know, in my experience, um, Facebook ads can look like a really shiny or even just social media ads in general can look like a really shiny solution. And there are some experts out there that are sharing advice of, Hey, you should create this like really low cost offer and, you know, like throw some ad spend behind it and get it up there. And you're going to make a bunch of money this way. But where that strategy doesn't work for me is how do you know that the ad spend you throw behind that is actually going to deliver any kind of return if you've never sold that organically to your audience? And I think that you know social ads can be a really powerful tool to scale, to kind of like turn up the volume on an mm -hmm. offer that you already know is working. But when we're using it to test brand new offers for the, like the very first time, I, mm, that's just not, I don't, I don't love that. I don't think it's a great use of resources for folks. No. And it's like you said, it's very tempting because when you do get it right, when it has that magic miracle moment and you're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this is working. It's clicking. Um, <laughs> it's very few and far between, between, and it's just, you want to make sure you have a proven offer first and then explore ads, but mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Out of curiosity with these mistakes that you've seen people make and you're, you know, sharing because you're encouraging people to do something different. Um, are there any sort of strategies related to this when it comes to lead generation that you're anticipating for 2024? Or uh, are there any new approaches that as business owners we should be considering? Yeah. So I think and you mentioned this earlier actually was just this is something free that anyone can do and it's smart collaboration and this is this is my specialty is i love teaching people how to create what i call small lead gen events so small lead gen events are very they're like boutique sized um i see people that host the large summits and i think that's amazing if you have that in you then you go girl. But the, the, for some of us, it's like, okay, that does not sound energy giving or doesn't bring me joy. I want to do something on a smaller scale. Um, you can absolutely do this. Even if you're, if you're newer to the scene and you basically just want to pick five to seven partners who, again, they, their audience that they have are, is comprised of the people that you would consider your audience. So maybe, but you have to be doing something a little bit different than them. 
So the partners that you can't both be, um, you know, social media managers, one of you can be a social media manager, the other one can be a business coach, and then a Pinterest uh, expert, but you all serve the same audience. And it's mm -hmm. just doing a smart collaborative event. And you don't need to spend any money, you don't need to spend hours and hours on social media. Um, and you can add a lot of value and share your unique perspectives and get in front of people and you'll resonate with the right people. I love that. So basically just like finding people who there is overlap in your audiences and getting everybody together for, you know, like, you know, maybe a 45 minute, maybe an hour long conversation on Zoom where everyone, you know, all the hosts are sharing about it. They're bringing a couple folks who are attending and that kind of compounds. And so you have kind of this cozy room full of people and you're talking about something related to your areas of expertise. And in theory, your ideal clients are sitting in that in that Zoom room and they're, you know, getting exposure to you and your work, right? Yeah, that's there's there's several ways to do it. That's one. There's also if you want to do an email series where you feature each expert in a very given um like if you have the outcome is new like 2024 um brand makeover, then you could feature three other people, four other partners and do an email series that's stripped out. Or you could do a limited uh, podcast series, or you could do a YouTube video interview series or a, a town hall type format. Like there's all different ways to do it. But like you said, it's, it's really about everyone brings their audience to the table and it's a lot of energy, a lot of positivity. Everyone I mean, I think about all the ones I've hosted and I received so many emails from people saying that was like, you should have charged for that. That was amazing. <laughs> and I like for my clients, they always add at least 200 leads to their email list. And for six weeks of collaborative fun work to add 200 ideal leads. And let's say you convert 10 of them into paying clients. That's, that's well worth it. And that's, that's fun. That's fun lead gen. That is fun. I love that. And I, I love how you were sharing all the different ways that that can look because to me that feels so accessible for people who are low energy or who are not comfortable on video, you know, like doing something like a podcast or doing something like, you know, an email series. Mm -hmm. It's just so, it's so cool to see how we can adapt these um, ideas in ways that fit with, you know, your interests and who you are and how you want to show up. Because not everyone, I, I say, you know, my idea is Zoom because I've been, you know, doing like live classes for what feels like thousands of years now. And so, you know, that's where my mind goes, but it's so cool to see all the different ways that we can adapt that too. So thanks for diving into that and sharing those ideas. Oh yeah, I could totally nerd out about <laughs> nerd out about that stuff. <laughs> well, what what I like about this approach is it is relational and it is about value. It's not right. It doesn't sound like these are events where we're showing up and we're doing like a hard sell, right? No. It's not like a webinar. No, I don't. I don't recommend selling in the event itself. I rec actually recommend having each um, expert partner do um, a freebie 
or a giveaway something that they usually charge maybe 27 or $47 for, give it away for free, just as more of like this abundant, if you want, I guess it comes down to this. A mentor of mine says this all the time. If you want people to believe that you can help them, then help them. And when you create an event like this, you're adding so much value and helping people. And sometimes that's what all they need is, okay, I can do this. And I want, you know, Bonnie to be my right hand person to help me take this next step. I, I just love this so much because there's so much potential to really show up and shine and share who you are and what you do and how you can help people. And it doesn't have to come, I, you know, I think that you kind of mentioned something along these lines earlier, you know, we're at this point where I think collectively we're so tired of the hard sell. We're so skeptical because everybody's got an offer that feels too good to be true. Mm -hmm. And so we go into a lot of our interactions with other business owners or with service providers kind of a little more wary. And so when you're invited into an event like this where it's free, it's fun, it's rooted in abundance, it's rooted in a genuine desire to um, leave people better than when they first joined, I think that you know, how could, how could anything not good come from that? It just seems like it's, it's, you know, rooted in such, um, you know, authenticity that it, it is a great way to connect with people. Yeah. I, I also think it's cool to see what happens within the 90 day window following an event like that, because I do teach that you do have an offer on the back end. You don't have it as a part of the event but you, you offer it on the back end with your email series. And then what happens, some people will join right away. Like that's just gonna happen. And then you keep nurturing them and just, again, adding education, inspiration, entertainment, sharing your stories, your, your vibe <laughs> with them. And over the next 90 days, it's like a dripped, it's like a dripped lead um, conversion, really. And then, if you do this event every quarter, it's kind of this well-oiled machine where you're just pumping the well and um, it, it works for a lot of solopreneurs. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And so, you know, I know that one of the things that you really encourage your students and your clients is that they don't necessarily need to have a large following on social media. So is kind of that, that component of if we're doing this quarterly, the key to not exhausting your audience is you're bringing in these additional guest experts and you know they're sharing their audience right yep and then the partners will you all share one another on social media so you will grow your social media um following absolutely when you do collaborative events and with the right people and my focus though is always on growing your email list um, because mm -hmm. I, I feel like your email list is just, oh, it is the most valuable thing in your business if you do it right. And so focus on that and then your social media will grow as you, as you show up and you collaborate and you give value. Obviously I could just sit here all day and like nerd out over <laughs> these strategies with you. Um, but I am so grateful that you have walked us through this and that you're sharing, you know, this really brilliant way to show up that might feel 
more fun, more free, you know, more um, inspiring for 2024 and for, you know, the coming quarter. Um, But I always love asking for every person who comes on, what final takeaway do you want those who are tuning in today to remember when it comes to, uh, you know, growing their business, utilizing lead gen in a way that feels, um, that feels strategic and fun? I think, honestly, I I feel like streamlining, what you're doing is simply, you're simplifying the steps to rinse and repeat them. And you want to start where it feels like you can do this. Maybe you have young kids like I do, and you have a full plate and you feel stretched already, but you know that if you don't have any leads coming in, you don't have energy in your business. So it's very important to prioritize lead gen. So maybe just start with booking yourself on a few podcasts, um, speaking like in the right mastermind groups, reach out to people and ask if they need a guest expert, present in their Facebook groups for free, um, or start with a very small lead gen event. Maybe you only want to find two or three partners, but these are all things that you can take action on today. They don't cost anything and you can build friendships and relationships along the way. So it's kind of like this win, win, win. Mm. I love that. Who doesn't love a win-win-win situation? (laughs) Marion, I know that those who are tuning in today are going to want to get to know you a little bit more and, you know, potentially learn more about how they could work with you. So where can people find you online? Yeah. So my website is smallaudiencebigincome.com. And then my Instagram is Marion Wagner Coaching. It will be small audience, big income. Um, on Instagram here soon, depending on when this is released, but that's me building my hybrid brand right now. So, (laughs) Well, and congratulations on the upcoming launch of your book. That is such an accomplishment. And I'm so excited to see how that continues to help people. Oh, thank you so much. You're welcome. Now, um, speaking of great things, I also wanted to mention that you are so generously sharing a freebie for those who are tuning in today. It is your um, high converting lead magnet ideas. So can you share a little bit about what that asset is and who it's for? Yeah. So I feel like it's, it's always fun to give your audience something that's free and that really helps them. And oftentimes, I think just coming up with that idea can feel a little overwhelming. So this is divided into different niches and specialties. And I'm sure that you'll find something there that you're like, oh, this is, this is a good idea and you can make it your own. Gosh, what a fantastic gift to give people because just the, the mental burden of trying to come up with what your lead magnet is going to be, what your freebie is going to be, you know, that gosh, there's so many options out there. And so having you break it down and categorize it that way, it makes it so much easier to find something that you can just experiment with and test it out and see how it does for you. Amazing. Yep. Awesome. Well, Marion, thank you so much for joining me, for sharing your expertise with us in this way. It's been such a blast to get to chat with you and have you on the show. Well, thank you so much, Bonnie. And for those who've been tuning in today, thank you again. It is always such an honor to have you tuning in. I hope that today's episode gave you a handful of ideas that you are excited to test out when it comes to your own lead gen and your service-based business. But as always, I'm cheering you on from Waco. 
Thank you so much for joining me today, friend. Before you go, I would be so grateful to receive your feedback on the Brand Strategy Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or the podcast in general has helped you grow your brand, I'd really appreciate it if you left us a review in iTunes. Your positive reviews enable the Brand Strategy Podcast to continue to grow and reach like-minded creatives just like you. Thank you for all your support and encouragement as together we pursue building brands with purpose and intention. Until next time, I'm cheering you on from Waco.